Spoiler warning up front. We're going to be talking about a movie that is impossible to talk about without talking about the ending. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch it, come back and listen to the pod. Tonight, we'll be talking about 2007's The Mist. Pops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. office flops your pod for stephen king bombs this is the fourth of our flops that go bump in the night series and the third one of these from horror icon stephen king we didn't mean to do that but that's where we are this is 2007's the mist we are presented by revengeofthefans.com i am captain cash and i will be leading you through this thick fog of emotion the film will leave you in along for the drive are the thunderous wizard something missed took john lee and Chumpzilla. It's some kind of mist. Roll credits. And, and our resident Stephen King expert, Mayor McCheese, making his fourth, fifth appearance on the pod. And hopefully the third time he doesn't fall asleep halfway through. No promises. Come on, fingers crossed. You can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Hops and Deal Flops. Leave us a comment on what movie you'd like us to do next. Thunderous Wizard can be found at Writer TLK. Chumzilla, when he's not leading a religious zealot murder cult, can be found at Chumzilla8 on Twitter. Mayor McCheese can be found at a cabin in Maine, far, far away from social media. But I did just get a follow from someone, so you want to chime in with what your handle is? I did uh, I did join the Twatterverse, and my new um, Hops and Box Office Flops handle is HBOF McCheese. So Lovely. You can follow, you can follow me there. HBOF McCheese. You heard it here first, folks. And as always, I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Before we jump into the movie, The Mist, uh, for those of you drinking at home, uh, which is all of us because we're all fucking sucking pandemic still like the poor bastards in this grocery store, uh, the beer for the pod is going to be Rusty Rail Brewing's Fog Monster. This ominously hazy New England IPA, right? Pretty, pretty topical. Good, huh? Uh, comes out of the middle of Pennsylvania with a 6.8 ABV, so it's nothing too intense. Uh, Rusty Rail is a microbrew, so I think I was actually the only one able to procure this beer for this pod. Uh, but the can art is spectacular, uh, as it is aptly named Fog Monster. It's a very threatening-looking monster thing. Uh, we'll put up a picture on the social media. Check it out on Instagram. Uh, but with that in mind, cheers, gentlemen. Lovely. It's, it's kind of light, and what would I say? Uh, not very citrusy, not too hoppy, pretty solid. Um, I would sit through about two bad movies for this beer. I'd say we'd go around the horn, but I'm the only one who had it. So it, I'd say try it out. If, if you're in PA and you can get your hands on Fog Monster, it's a, a decent beer. I liked it. We'll take your word for it, Captain Cash. What's the ABV on that stuff? 6.8. So oh, that's a little... socks, but it's not like light either. It's a little light for your taste, though. It is, just slightly. But you know what? 2.2% here or there, I'm willing to let it slide. Sorry, just cut it with some steel reserve. You'll be all right. <laughs> just, pour, just pour the tiniest bit of whiskey in it. We're good. All right, so let's get into this movie. This film adapts a 1980s Stephen King novella of the same name. 
the film The Mist was adapted and directed by Frank Darabont. This is actually Frank's third shot at adapting a King work after Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile. Uh, this movie is a fairly quick two hours and six minutes. Uh, the film stars Thomas Jane. Welcome back to the pod, TJ. Uh, on his second Stephen King adaptation, and I think third time on the pod, if I'm not mistaken, or fourth? I think third. 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 He was in yeah. Face Off, Dreamcatcher, oh, so we did two Four. Four. Yeah. Four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Face Off, Punisher, Dreamcatcher, Mist. So in the Flops to Go Bump in the Night series, we've got three King adaptations, two Darabont vehicles, and two uh, Thomas Jane appearances. Wow. I mean, you could say we have a type, I think. Uh we did talk about Frank Darabont in uh, New Nightmare, though, because he did co-write Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Ah, uh, there we that's, go. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. He, he didn't direct that. That was Wes Craven. He didn't write it either. That's. I'm sorry. I confused it. Only one Darabont true appearance. My bad. Uh, Tommy Janeway plays David Drayton. Drayton? Am I pronouncing that correctly? I'm trying to remember now that I've said it. It's Mr. Drayton. Message called Dave. Yeah. Drayton. Yeah. Yeah. His son, Billy, is played by Nathan Gamble of Dolphin Tale fame. Uh, we also have Marsha Gay Harden as the biggest monster of the piece, Mrs. Carmoody. Yeah. Oh, the... She is a... She's something. <laughs> I. She is... Like, we should... We'll spend time talking about this as we get into the plot, but this actress just knocks it out of the park for someone you absolutely hate the entire time like oh there there are few people that elicit such a visceral response from me as this actress managed to do with her portrayal of miss carmody so good job to her hey and forget the dolphin tail stuff that kid was jim gordon jr from the dark knight wait oh yep. yeah he yeah was. two-faced right. kidnaps him yep. yeah very nice Continuing on the the Miss Carmody line, even my even Miss McCheese mentioned last night that she's like the perfect actress to play the crazy religious zealot because she can just sell that thing hard. She's I mean, a she's like, a very good actress. Like yeah, I love TJ, but I feel like Marsha Gray Harden kind of ran away with it here. I would agree with that statement. Um, we also get just a slew of other character actors filling out the parts. We get Lori Holden, Andre Bauer, Toby Jones, William Sadler, Jeffrey uh, DeMunn, Melissa McBride, Chris the Shermanator Owen, and Sam Whitworth. And that's just the handful of people I feel like you'll immediately recognize. This thing is stocked full of people who went on to do a ton more stuff or, you know, was the Shermanator. Don't forget uh, Zola. Yeah, no, that's uh, Toby. Toby yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, Toby I Jones. Didn't hear him. Yeah. yeah. He, he deserves more of a shout out. Yeah. That should have been Toby Zola Jones. He's the that's, man. That's fair. Uh, I, hey, and is, is the one redneck, is he the dad from American Beauty? Uh, no. No, he, it's William he is Sadler death is. In Bill and Ted's yeah. Journey. He's the bad guy in Die Hard 2. He's in Shawshank Redemption as Haywood. He's, that's, uh, what, that's it. He's in tons of I, stuff. I reckon Shaw, yeah, I recognize him from Shawshank. That's right. He's a guy. He's one of. He's like, oh, that guy. Like, yeah. He's yeah. in tons. This of entire cast is oh that guy though. Yeah. Which is nuts. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like you can see that this movie was Darabont's dry run at The Walking Dead. Like more than five main characters go on to play leads in The Walking Dead, and they even wanted Thomas Jane to play Rick Grimes, but that fell through. 
So like this really, and the plus, I think a lot of the themes that pervade The Walking Dead are also here. Like you should never lose hope, even in the face of Armageddon, that the real monsters are people. That it's it's like it's real easy to see how this like springboarded him into running that show, at least to begin with. Fanaticism, cultish behaviors. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Following false prophets. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I really was weirded out by seeing Carol is not Carol. That, that was that was that odd was, to start the movie where I'm like, oh shit. Because <laughs> I've seen this movie before The Walking Dead, obviously, but then to watch it after watching like the first like five seasons of The Walking Dead. Actually, I think I watched the first four. Yeah, I, th- I don't think I made it through five. But anyway, I, I had a really hard time not being like, oh, Carol. Yeah, but in uh, a bit part, she might have what. 20 to 30 total seconds of screen right, time. Right, right. And then, and then you got uh, Andrea, too, who's yes. got way more screen time. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. So perhaps this is, wasn't a full-on flop commercially. The Mist pulled in $57.3 million worldwide on a budget of $18 million. So, yeah, I mean, it made some money, but it was generally disliked upon its release. But it has since gone on to be well thought of, uh, even inspiring a 2017 miniseries on Spike TV. It's now on Netflix. I've never seen it. It was okay reviewed, but I just don't see the need to watch it if this movie exists. Why would I watch a shoddily done TV show? It's like watching a... uh, What's the movie with uh, Chris Evans and the train? Snowpiercer. I'm not going to watch the show. I saw the movie. The movie's very good. I don't need to watch the show. So when you told me there was a TV show based on this this uh, movie or this novella, I just assumed it was Under the Dome. <laughs> I mean, but then I found out that's actually a different thing. That's a vastly a different story. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. All I mean, right, so. I to- I totally agree. This doesn't need to be redone because they did it right the first time, minus the CGI. But they yep. hit the nail on the head. Why remake it? There's no point. There's no Plus, further I mean, story. You could set the story like you could set other stories within the universe but even then i feel like this kind of said everything it needed to say in the two hours it, it had so let's jump into the plot description again we're gonna cover plot so this is your final warning to get out now if you don't want this movie screwed up for you this movie is all about the end come back watch the movie yeah i mean there's no simple way to say this the entire movie is basically set up for the end that that Nothing happens in this movie that you're like, oh, wow, oh, I, oh, oh, no, no, no. It's just a standard monster flick until the end. So here you go. Is that, yep. Yep. So IMDb calls this a freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket to fight for their lives. Let's go around the horn. Uh, we'll give it to the king expert McCheese. What is your one sentence description? I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I actually am going to use this time for my own personal pleasure and just say, they did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster smash. It was a graveyard smash. I don't so here's my thing that. about that. I don't story. know if we're going to work that in before the end of October. That, that's fair. Here's the thing that always bugs me about that. We don't actually know what the monster, monster mash sounds like. We just it's a it's a tribute yes, song. This is true. What is it's very true. The monster mash. That's what I'd like to know. All right, moving on though. Uh, to Chumzilla, your one sentence description for the mist. 
Okay, first off, I have a major problem with the description you gave us from IMDb. Okay. Um, or wherever it came from. I believe IMDb, but go on. Is it is it not clear that it's not really the storm that unleashed the monsters? Oh, I think it absolutely is, but that's a, a later reveal in, like, late Act 2. Okay, I, I just think that it's like, whatever, okay. So my one-ish sentence description is... Frank Darabont's The Mist feels like an old-timey allegory play where the characters represent stereotypes of different factions of society who are then forced to face an unfathomable cosmic horror. And then it takes the hardest left turn possible and undeniably for the better. Very nice. And let's give it to the Thunderous Wizard, your one-sentence description, sir. I mean, the simple one would be to say that the road to hell is paved with best intentions, but the more fun one is... I like that. If given the choice between being stranded in a supermarket with Mike Pence's wife, mother, or journeying out to the mist full of deadly alien creatures, I'm going to the mist. Yeah, I mean, the creatures might eat me, but at least I don't have to listen to them. Yeah. Uh, For me, this, my one sentence is, an episode of The Walking Dead, but two hours long, darker, more traumatic, and just better. No, not better? I, I... You know, I gave up The Walking Dead fairly early, so I would say, yes, this is better. Uh, I think I, I made it to, like, season five-ish. But, I mean, by that point, Darabont was way gone. Yeah, I, I think there's some stuff early on in The Walking Dead that's pretty brutal. Like the stuff with Carol and the kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff. I mean, there's some mist-worthy stuff in, in The Walking Dead. Again, you can see the influence. You know, I think... Darabont kind of said, hey, this sort of works. I got a huge emotional response out of this. How can I recreate that? But for, you know, 10 hours per season for... Yeah. Well, I mean, he, it, he only got the one, didn't he? He was gone yeah. after season one, yeah. Yeah, there but some there's definitely some... dispute. Yeah, but this first, like, two, three seasons, there's some pretty big gut punches. Yeah. All right, well, I'm not <laughs> anyway. going to hang on to this too hard. Let's jump yeah. into the plot proper. Uh, the movie opens on painter David Drayton. Uh, in his room full of paintings that are just allusions to other King work. Like, yes, I think very I, much, I, I, very I, much so. <laughs> yeah. It, Mayor McCheese, what, what what did you see? Because I really only caught two that I knew straight out. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head the movie poster of the guy's head exploding. You know the that thing. The thing. The thing. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely the thing. Uh, yeah. And then the one he's painting is the Dark Tower. And then For there sure. was two more in the back, but I... I failed to completely catch them because I was. One was a girl in front of a window. There was also one that with like a creepy looking clown that wasn't explicitly Pennywise, but I sort of interpreted the weird clown as Pennywise. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it, honestly, but there is like, it's literally the poster for yeah. the movie, The Thing. It is. It's that is yeah. dead on. I did like, I like that. And it, of course, it is explicitly Roland Disjane. In the dark oh, tower, yeah. uh, I do like he shows up to the supermarket, or he's talking to his wife, and she's like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" He's like, "I don't know. They'll probably just do typical Hollywood bullshit and take two pictures of the actors' faces." <laughs> yeah, and Photoshop it together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, but it, to your point, he lives with his wife and his eight-year-old son Billy. Uh, there's a big storm, um, and they get up in the next morning and they see a ton of damage has been done. And they notice there's this huge, thick mist advancing over the lake where they live. So David and Billy get in the car with their neighbor, Brent Norton. Uh, the tree fell and just wrecked that dude's car. And there's there's bad blood. Uh, Nor- uh, Brent Norton is played by Andre Bauer. Uh, but they head into town to go buy supplies. 
Nine nine. Nine nine. Watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's a funny show. Anyway, <laughs> they do the typical advancing uh, threat and trauma and scary shit happening as everybody's in this grocery store and they start to see like the emergency vehicles start flying by. They see cops. They I think they see firefighters and like they're just they're tearing ass towards something. And at that point, this huge mist rolls in, and you get Dale from The Walking Dead. Dan, as the character is Dan Miller, but it's Dale from The Walking Dead. Runs in the supermarket, and there's things in the mist. Took John Lee. <laughs> I, I like how they, when they first zoom into the um, supermarket, someone is just buying a ton of bush beer, which yeah. would be my. It would be my survival strategy if the power went out for any extended period of time. I mean, think about it. You're in Maine. Uh, what else are you gonna? You're in a small town in Maine. What else you got going on? You just get know. bush and you just get bush and hamburger meat and head home and build a fire. And you're like, yep, this is it. <laughs> this is kind of what I'm doing for a little while. It's gonna be great. Uh, in any case, the uh, siren klaxons go off. Everybody's told to shelter where they are. We get Ollie Weeks and Bud Brown, the who close out the supermarket, and then the mist just covers everything. Um, they they try to restart the emergency power generators to get the lights back on, uh, and it's David Norm the Bagger, as played again by the Shermanator, uh, try to go outside to fix the emergency generator, and Norm gets grabbed by they're called the like literally they are called the tentacles from dimension X. And like, this is the first creature that we get not even a full look at. Cause literally it's just the tentacles. And like, it's like, it is not dissimilar from a, uh, 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 what a shit weasel. It's got like, it's a vagina with teeth on the end of a dick in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it, I've seen it enough hentai to know where this is going. It does cross into a little bit of Dreamcatcher where you have the opening mouth uh, tentacle thing going on. Also, am I the only one that feels that Norm had it coming for calling TJ a pussy before they opened the door? Yes. Oh, that, uh, there's a reason they got the Shermanator to be the first kid that gets killed. The three MAGA supporters who are all just <laughs> the worst. And they're like, you're learned. Fuck you. <laughs> before you say something you better count them teeth yeah they're just awful in that scene it's like he's speaking reason to you and you're just like threatening his life well trying and to i will you. admit though and i'll bring this up later uh but a lot of the dialogue in this is a little stilted so this is kind of a case where thomas jane's character doesn't really give them much information he's just kind of like i heard a sound a sound, you know, like a weird sound. Like I, I heard a sound. It says like I think there's something oh, out on. there. He's not Thomas Jane from Kentucky. He's Thomas Jane from. I heard a sound. Yep. Don't go out there. It's a thing. <laughs> but, yeah, but, that, but, that's much. But closer. he sounds like. But he sounds like an idiot because it's like, could you maybe expand on that to convince these yokels <laughs> as to why you're concerned? He's like, it's a sound. I heard a sound. It's like, dude, it, you think there's something out there. Be like, I think there's something can out we, there. Can we stop you for know? a moment? Where are we getting this accent for him? <laughs> That's because, a good question. Because my, Captain Cash's my... accent, where Thomas Jane sounds like gritty and sexy, that's way closer to actual Thomas Jane. You apparently I watched a Thomas different Jane movie. Gritty and sexy. <laughs> okay. There's a great episode of the uh, X Files where they're investigating <laughs> some like vampires. And the fat kid from Salute My Shorts is in it. 
and Donkey Lips. That oh, is the I, same Donkey Lips, yeah. No, no, it's not Donkey Lips. Who is it? I think it's the no, fat kid. No, it's absolutely Donkey. Oh, no, it's but not I, Donkey Lips. Okay. No, it's not Donkey Lips. I think it's I think it's the the fat kid from. Uh, I, I shouldn't be calling him fat. I think it's the heavy set red headed kid from. Uh, Pete and Pete. <laughs> I mean, we were just gonna is run it, through the nineties. Is it no, not. Is it, but no, it's it's the kid from um, the baseball this isn't movie. Up anytime. Oh, uh, the big green. Sandlot. The ham, and it, the ham, uh, the great Hambino. Yeah, the great Hambino. Any, anyway, they, he's. <laughs> they think they're vampires, and they they both, you know, Mulder and Scully don't. So I'll let's cut this back. Just forget all that part. There's an episode of the X Files, okay, where Mulder and Scully are investigating these vampires in some like smallish town or whatever, and like the local sheriff, I'm pretty sure is Luke Wilson, okay, and it's really funny because when scully remembers the story and retells it luke wilson's his normal suave self but when Mulder remembers the story he's a buck tooth moron and so it's kind of this funny thing how they both remember things differently so when captain cash watches this movie he sees hot sexy smoldering thomas jane I when i hear him do. being when i hear him being a blithering idiot and unable to explain to the maga supporters that there's a cosmic horror probably on the other side of that uh, sheet metal rolling door i hear him talking like an idiot he sounds like cletus the slack-jawed yokel to me he's like and and this has been story time with chumzilla yeah moving on there is a distinct part where uh william sather goes it's a hoax it's gonna disappear it'll be gone oh <laughs> isn't that isn't that so poignant that's, and then the sherminator gets his chest ripped off in 2020, that's brutal. There is like a weird disconnect they could have done better on because some of those lines when they're about to open the door come from the novella and some of them are just filled in. And like the you better uh, count your teeth come from the novella. And then TJ being like, there's something on the door on the other side of the door. Like <laughs> they could have beefed that up slightly more because they just kind of phoned it in on that. Well, and I understand they're trying to keep things ambiguous, but they do it in a way that kind of defies normal logic. Mm. And again, a lot of the dialogue in this is kind of stilted. But again, I feel like this was like a play. I feel like it was very melodramatic, you know, at times where like people didn't do what you would expect them to do. They kind of did something a little more like, you know, melodramatic and over the top. Like it was almost like it felt like theater at times. It didn't feel gritty and real. It felt like theater at times. I feel All like I know that's is... fair because there there is a fair amount, as you'd mentioned before, of these are more character archetypes than they are real people. I, a lot of monologues, right? A lot of people yeah. give like like quick speeches basically to the audience, which again, they have an audience, you know, in the supermarket as well, but we're getting those as if they're coming at us directly. Well, a big part of the movie, as you mentioned at the opening, is showing a pretty distinct disdain for human nature and how quickly we'll turn on each other despite the circumstances we're all in uh and thomas jane is the straight man amidst all of this of course there's other straight you know, people that are with him that are also like what the hell is going on like this is not real uh how can people be this absurd but, you know, William Sadler and his buddy are certainly a part of the, they're looking for an an, a simple answer. And anyone who's going to give them a simple answer, they are willing to follow. They're sheep. I mean, that's I will, fair. I will say that for all of TJ's 
uh, lack of explanation. I do still believe Norm still had it coming, but we got to press through. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, and, so Norm gets taken, and they but they do manage to cut off one of the tentacles, which immediately dissolves into a black pile of goo, which is a hint that hey, things aren't on the stop, up and up here. Stop! 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 It does not immediately turn into black goo. It turns into black goo after they bring people back begrudgingly yeah. to view it which is a little again that's another that's a little weird like why and also probably one of the weakest special effects points in the movie when they hack off that tentacle that would have been a perfect time to do a blend of cgi and practical effects and they yes. go a hundred percent cgi and it looks like shit yes that that i think will be a continuing thing that almost it feels like almost all of the creature effects in this save a few bits of ma- wound makeup and stuff is CGI, which yeah. you know, 13 years not, on does it no service. It's not all bad, but it's worse than Dreamcatcher's special effects. And this movie came out four years later. Oh, yeah. Still not sure oh. I agree. This is comically bad. Yeah. The tentacles were comically bad. Now, the, the far shots, the wide shots, fine. But yeah. the, the, the mutant vultures and the tentacles, that was like TV movie bad. Within within the mist itself, it all looks it it's sort of obscured it and it looks good. But I agree that uh, there's some issues, especially now that you know I watched you read something in HD, and if it has poor special effects, it really shows. And it's just there's not a lot of texture uh, on the tentacles. Uh, I agree a hundred percent there thunderous wizard hd does this movie no favors it looks really sort of flat and gelatinous um and when yep. and you could just tell it's not there and that's you know a problem and and so i guess what where we're taking all of this is now there is question within the store itself you know is are there monsters in the mist were there tentacles who can you trust and carol from the walking dead uh, decides, I've got to go back and get my kids. I can get the fuck out of here. It doesn't matter what's in the mist. And she bolts home to her kids, presumably to her death. Uh, at this point, Miss Carmoody, who is, I, I guess, well-known as the local religious fanatic insane person, starts proselytizing that this is the end of the world and everybody's going to die. Uh, but not before Brent the biker says, look, lady, I believe in God too, but I don't think he's the asshole you think he is. I'm going to go out and I'm going to see what's out there. And he ties a, a, a string around his waist so that they can like, you know, if something happens, you can pull me back. And I, I really thought this was one of the more effective tension builders because he goes out into the mist. And of course that rope goes real taut. Then it goes way up in the air. And then as they start to pull it back, when the rope goes slack, it's red with blood and then it pulls up just a pair of legs with the guts hanging out, which that was one of the more better like effects effects. Cause that felt real. That was, yeah, that was clearly a practical effect and it looked great. And I wish there was a little bit more of that with the creatures. But yeah, no complaints I mean, on that. If they'd have done just a little bit more, I think it would have gone a long way, but in any case, as they're there, David starts to form connections with people in the store, including Amanda, Andrea from The Walking Dead, um, Irene Repler. You mean you mean his other wife? Yes, it's it's really weird. I'll I'll, I'll cut in right now just to say that the opening of this movie with the storm and his wife and all that, it's completely unnecessary. This movie just needs to start with him and his son pulling up at the supermarket. 
because the whole backstory with him and the wife, it, it really doesn't matter. Well, that's not entirely true because that pays off and it does. I mean, yeah, you, but, but I guess my point is like in a movie that this movie has no business being and two it, hours and long. And also, the whole intro, no, it builds to the finale the sense of hopelessness. There's, you know, what happens in the end is because of things that they encounter. Yeah, no one survived. Yeah, it's agreed. Uh, and, fair and enough. We'll, and we'll get there, but in, in any case, yes, there is like. The nice thing is this is not 1980, so the female lead and the male lead don't immediately form a romantic relationship. It is, I guess, somewhat more platonic throughout, though it does – they do kind of smolder at each other a little. But Well, she becomes a mother figure to his son yeah, more, than, yeah. more than a romantic interest for him. Agreed. Yeah, Amanda is much more there to take care of Billy, who is, you know, seeing all this horrible shit. Um. And there are a handful of other people who are sort of fighting with Miss Carmoody over her insane, del- like, religious zealotry. Um, Amanda reveals she's got a revolver in her purse who gives it to Ollie, which is Toby Jones. Because I guess he's a, a shooting champion, they mention, which is cool. Then, as night falls, um, they turn off all the lights that they have. And they barricade the front glass. And these giant insects start landing on the glass. These are scorpion flies. And the thing that I think is so frustrating and stupid, like this is one of the times where up to this point, what I feel like everybody did, there was some uncertainty. But here they start shining the lights out into the mist as the bugs start flying to the window. I'm like, what the fuck are you? Of course, bugs are attracted to light. Yeah, and like they're they're the- it. They're in Maine. <laughs> they're in, there's a ton of bugs up there. You don't realize that the bugs always go to the light. Yeah. And, uh, 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 black flies suck. Yeah. What, what really shocked me is, okay, so it's the night basically of their first day stuck in quarantine. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, let's go poke this shit with a stick. See what happens. Why aren't they all in the back drinking bush beer and eating pork rinds and wait until morning before they do anything stupid? Like this is, this is the one time where I'm like, you idiots sort of deserve this. Not, not to mention they should have barricaded the doors to the loading dock and taken all the supplies in there because that's the fortified location, not the, the glass windows surrounding the store. Yeah, I, I have two things on this. One, they keep showing throughout the entire movie more and more stockpiles of things they could, in front of, could have put in front of the windows, but they stopped at like seven feet up and they're like yeah "Eh, the bugs won't go that high and then different point i actually thought thought that those initial insect creatures looked fairly cool i did like that um those weren't as bad as the rest yeah the the scorpion flies look decent yeah Yeah. yep they did they did i thought the spiders were real corny but we're getting there yeah well again you love spiders in part, the scorpion flies were kind of uh, obscured by the mist. They were outside the windows. Right. Like, I, I feel like there was enough going on. That those, those effects didn't actually work pretty well. The problem with the scorpion flies, though, is they attract another animal, which is this. They're called tarot buzzards, which are these pterodactyl-like things with, you know, like the name sounds. It's got like a, a buzzard head. And these things look terrible. Laughably bad. Like, I... Like it, it, I, I Again, this is a scene that 
HD did no favors. The shots of that thing inside the supermarket, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like, I remember in 2007 watching this movie thinking, man, this is great and scary. And watching it in HD now, I'm like, oh, you know, let's, let's take some of the edge off. This it so it looks like it's literally photoshopped on there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, so oh. As the tarot buzzards fly in, so do some of the scorpion bugs. Uh, or sorry, the scorpion flies. One of the scorpion flies stings uh, a young woman who whose face bloats in this horrible way, which I have to say was one of the grosser and more impressive makeup effects in this whole thing that really sold that, like, holy shit, they're yeah. in a lot of trouble. They, they could have done more with that. That's that's Kira from Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, also, uh, Man of the High Castle. And yes. her boyfriend is Starkiller. Yeah, that's Sam Whitworth. Yeah. Also, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought she was the Noxzema girl. Was that uh, uh, Rebecca Greyheart? Uh, I don't know, but I, I had to Google it to make sure it wasn't her. I'm like, hey, is that the Noxzema chick? No, it's not. Never mind. Yeah. Is that something In any case, no. Yeah. The, the Noxzema chick from the 90s? I think that's I Rebecca that. Greyheart. Yeah. She, she was in a horror movie. A, a bad one. <laughs> uh, what was it called? Ugh. Really narrowed it down there. I'd have to look it up, but it was not good. All right. Story time with Chumzilla is done. Yeah. Moving on. We're get, getting back to the plot. Um, the, the point is there are now monsters inside the store. There is a panic. Somebody emulates himself. Somebody else gets killed by one of the, the tarot buzzards. Uh, but they do manage to beat back the monsters. But not before Miss Carmody has one of the, the scorpion flies land on her. She says a Bible verse and puts her hands back. And the scorpion fly does not sting her, but flies away, which is the most frustrating part of the movie for me. Yeah. So if that's the most frustrating thing in the movie for you, Captain Cash, what I think the second most frustrating thing should be, why were they trying to use kerosene-soaked mops as weapons indoors? There is a lot in this movie that the only answer is because they're freaked out. And if they didn't do that, the movie would be less exciting. I guess, uh, Mary Cheese, is that from the book? Do they use fire mops in the novella? Fire mops yeah. is just silly. It, 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 and also, what the fuck is a novella? Is it a book or not? It's a very short book. It's generally under 50,000 words. What's the cutoff? Or even less. Uh, generally over 50,000 words. Or 40,000. Yeah. Okay, okay. But uh, novellas, anything, it's 200 pages and under, say. Okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. And just, we might have talked over this, but Mary McCheese, you did confirm that fire mops are in the book. Yeah. Short story. Other than the the ending, this this movie is hyper accurate to the book. Wow. Novella. Okay. Okay. Oh, very cool. Very cool. in, In any case... Because Miss Carmoody was not immediately killed, much to everyone's great regret, she now gains followers who start to believe that maybe she does have some secret knowledge because this bug let her go. Um, And the guy who basically lit himself on fire with the kerosene mop because he was freaked out is now slowly dying. So the the plan with the rational folks is, hey, we've got to go to the pharmacy, which is King's Pharmacy. Eh? Stephen King's Pharmacy? Anyway. They got to go to the pharmacy to get medical supplies. Okay, so, and this is the most Walking Dead part of the movie right here for me. Supply and, run. Yeah, supply run. And David gets a handful of people to go with him. 
Miss Carmoody is against it and, you know, prophesizes their doom. They run across the street unmolested, manage to get to the pharmacy. And it is it is such a funny, slow build because the way it is shot, like they're going through, they're grabbing stuff. And then like in the corner of the frames, you start to see this spider web thing. And then you hear like skittering. And this is the second time in the movie where I'm like, all right, you've already experienced a bunch of deadly fucking insects. You heard skittering. That's that's code for it. We got to get the fuck out now. Yep. Yep. Nope. 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 Time to go. Time to go. Not a lot of urgency. Uh, and this is very aliens in the initial oh, yeah. uh, basically assault on uh, the planet. Whatever the planet is. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. The, the power core. You can yeah. call this aliens or the deleted scene from alien i do like on the way in to the pharmacy tj has a moment to step up for his son and steal a hellboy comic that is that is good ron perlman where you at um but as we've kind of said at this point they are well they find is it uh is it the neighbor or it just it's some no, random it's the military, military police it's guy. It's the military police guy it, yeah, that was yeah. looking th- for the three deserters. Yep. Those three uh, guys okay. had deserted knowing full well what they were a part of. That was one of my big gripes is we don't really know what happens to Andre Brower. You just assume the worst. Uh, but I think, you know, because he acts like such an asshole, I need to see him die. <laughs> There's only a little bit of that in this, unfortunately. Uh, but they find the MP. He's stuck to the wall, and he mentions that he can feel them inside him. And these tiny spiders, these baby start, spiders, start to explode from the boils in his skin, which is creepy as fuck, and would be worse if the CGI was slightly better. Yeah, and and then he proceeds to like fall over and then like burst into spiders. Yes, he falls in, like, his back explodes into a hail of spiders. And then they encounter, they're called Grey Widows from the book. Is that correct? Widowers. Grey Widowers. Yeah, whatever. Creepy alien spider things. Yeah, which have human skull heads. And, like, their their webbing is caustic. So, like, some, like, it's very aliens in that, like, they impregnate you with their young, their blood, comma, silk is is caustic and will melt you. It's corrosive, yeah. And they, yeah, they, exactly. cocoon, they cocoon you to hatch their young. Yeah, it's... Yeah. But it's, it's the worst that. of the worst. Everything is the worst. Okay, so here's an example of the movie's logic not holding up. Why weren't they armed with fire mops? Because we all know when you have impregnating, cocooning, insect-like you know, creatures that flamethrowers are the weapon of choice... So why weren't they all armed with fire mops? Well, they clearly have the technology. They did not know about the cocooning creatures then, and they also had a pretty horrific incident with the fire mops, which that, made that them would seem maybe to argue against fire maybe mops. Yeah. Just, maybe take a they second burnt. guess at whether this was the best weapon. That that dude burned the absolute shit out of himself. Considering he pulls the mop out, slips on the kerosene, and lights himself on fire. They're like, oh, <laughs> and, shit. And, and that's I, the whole reason they're at the pharmacy. I would see how they'd be like, hey, what? No more fire mops. I, you know, I guess, now that you break it down that way, it sort of makes sense. But I will admit, the guy burning himself with the fire mop makes a lot of sense because it's a stupid idea. And that's the kind of shit that happens when you try to play with fire indoors. <laughs> In any case, uh, so... So uh, apparently Irene does blast the one bug with a bug off and a lighter 
arachnophobia style. Irene's a badass. She's a tough old broad, and I love her. The the baddest character in this whole movie is Ollie. That Ollie's entirely true. Ollie's very tough. Uh, Everybody in Thomas Jane's party, I really like. Particularly the guy who goes took John Lee. I love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) But they make it back to the pharmacy less about three people. And, of course, this also gains Mrs. Carmoody more followers because she said this is going to go bad, and it, it went bad. Um, and so the next day, we get two of the three soldiers that are there have killed themselves. And the third soldier, this is Sam Witwer, uh, who is Darth Maul and our Starkiller, uh, also the guy from uh, Being Human that I really enjoyed, reveals that th- what is going down is there was a government what do you call it, Black Sider or whatever, in, in Arrowhead. They had Project Arrowhead to see if they could open a door to a new dimension. Something went wrong, and that's what this mist is all about. So at this point, Mrs. Carmoody believes, okay, we've got to sacrifice this guy to the mist. She's got enough followers to pull it off. They knife him and throw him out into the mist where he is immediately eaten by a praying monster or praying mantis-style monster which I, I think it they call it, what is it, an arachna lobster? Oh, these, I don't know where you've gotten these names, but they're fan. I mean, they're, they're yeah. very, they're very good. They call yeah, it, that's, uh, that's accurate. They call it whatever they call the monster in Stranger Things because most of this movie is the clear inspiration for Stranger Things. Also I really, Cloverfield. I really thought that that monster in particular was a dark tower creature, the, the lobstrosity. No, I, I, those are a lot smaller, though. Those are and more lobster-like. But no, I also think this is one of the few uh, CGI shots that looks good. Because, again, it's this kind of a distant shot. It's a, yeah. a wide shot, and it's obstructed by the mist. But, yeah, it gets to the Lovecraftian elements of this horror. You get these giant, unfathomable cosmic beasts roaming you know, outside of this supermarket. Yeah. Like it's, it, it, it actually, it's one of the few moments where like, yeah, the bug things are very close and personal, but these giant things that are just like, so surreal, it, it, that's a different kind of horror. You know, okay. Yeah. You got a dog, you got a dog sized bug thing. All right. You know, that's a, that's a creature movie thing whatever, but you've got something that's like huge. 12 feet tall. <laughs> oh, t- uh, 20 feet tall. Yeah, and it's, it's, and it's, it's gigantic. And, it, and it's just completely weird. Like you don't, it's not terrestrial. It's, like, it's also to the that, point where it's the, you don't understand the scope of what you're dealing yes. with. Like you keep exactly. encountering different things. Yes. And then, and then that's a big jump. So you got these small things, the tentacles. Okay. That's, that's got an element of unknown because you don't know what they're attached to. Then you get these yeah. small bug things that, yeah, they're foreign, but they're of com, com, you, you can comprehend their size. But then you see something like that where you see the whole thing and it's so big. It's like, okay, now, yeah, what is going on? I have so many more questions now. And it's at this point, David and his group, David and his group realize they have to get the fuck out of Dodge. Staying at the store is either going to get them killed by the monsters or killed by Mrs. Carmoody. Uh, so they've got supplies. It, they're ready to bail. It yeah, totally shifts the stakes, right? Yeah. It, the, the, so, staying in a supermarket no longer seems safe. There's like nothing in that supermarket that can protect them from what they've just seen. Yes, exactly right. And and to stay, you've got the crazy cult that's sacrificing people to the things in the mist in the hopes that they won't attack them. 
I can't I can't remember who says it, but someone in this scene says the line of like, I'd rather take my chances out here instead of staying inside with these crazy people. Yeah, right. Which only gets worse when as they prepare to leave, Miss Carmody, who is clearly high on her own power, confronts them and and demands that they sacrifice Billy to the monsters. And it is this point where Ollie makes her head into a canoe. And it is the only satisfying, the only satisfying part of this film for my money. Cause you fight like she finally gets what's coming to her. And it's like, Oh, thank God. Okay. Well, all right. We turn the corner. We're going to get out of here. Uh, and everybody runs out. Which, which is, frankly is pretty fucking hardcore. Oh yeah. This is, this is I why mean, my vote. This is why my vote is that Ollie's the best of this movie because she starts spouting off. She wants to sacrifice the kid and um, what's Andrea. her name from the Yeah, the whore, Andrea from yeah. The Walking Dead. And Ollie's just like, nope, it shoots her. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah, we're good here. We're good. No, we're done. We're done with your crazy religious zealot yeah. nonsense. She's not, yeah. done. she's not protected by any uh, false shroud of God. She's not some prophet sent to you to see you through this insane time of chaos. She's just a psychopath. And again, exactly. we said it we said it earlier, but I think it needs to be said again. If you watch these scenes back over, like she uh, um she sells it. The actress sells that oh, yeah. like shaky religious zealot, like I can't be wrong. These people need to die for what needs to happen, like absolute power, like nonsense. So they kill Miss Carmoody and our our intrepid team of heroes just absolutely bails on the store. Three of them get killed, including Ollie, which is a huge bummer. He gets nabbed by one of the lobstrosities, too. Uh, and then it winds up with Dale from The Walking Dead, Irene the Badass, um, Billy, Thomas Jane, and Andrea from The Walking Dead, all in one car. And they pull out and they drive back to Thomas Jane's house, only to find his wife, Stephanie, webbed up in dead. Just to the, It looks like to the side of the house. Yeah, I mean, it looks like she got taken by the same kind of spider thing. I'm a little shocked they didn't have her explode into spiders, too, frankly. Yeah, I know. The movie is getting there, but hasn't quite hit it. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, it's coming. Wait for it. Yeah, They continue driving into the mist, and, like, they do these fade-outs where you can tell they've been driving, they've been driving. They drive past this giant thing, which I think the script calls a behemoth, where it is literally, it's like a walking building. Yeah, again, one of the great shots in the movie. Like that, again, Maybe, yeah. that, it, it shifts the scope again. Now you're like, holy shit, this is even bigger than the walking lobster thing we saw before. Which yeah, I think was that... actually just just the rock from the Scorpion King. <laughs> um, just low res, low res. But but again, that thing is so big. and Slightly fewer again, polygons. Just turned yeah. Out. And you're like, and you can just, that adds that like sense of despair. Like this is so much bigger than what we're prepared to handle. Yeah. In the, in the book, this, that, that scene drives the point home of the hopelessness where they finally have gotten out, uh, you know, they're getting through the mist and then that thing walks over them and all of them in the car are like, fuck. Fuck. Yeah. And it gets back to that love of crafty and like staring into madness. Like this is when, reality begins to unravel because like 
this breaks all the rules of how your. Do you, how do you how process do you, that? How do you right? How do you yeah. Sit in the car as that thing walks over you, and you're like, oh, we're gonna be fine. <laughs> Things are gonna go back to normal at some it, point, right? It, 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 unless you're Rick Sanchez, that's gonna fuck with you. So at this point, they have run out of gas, and all four adults in the car look at each other. And they take out the handgun and they realize that the nod, man, the nods, those nods, four, four bullets, which means they are one short and they all agree what has to happen just and, and, with, with no dialogue whatsoever. No, there's one dialogue. I got four bullets. I got four bullets. And then Andrea says, but there's five of us. And TJ says, says, I'll figure something out. I'll figure something out. And. At this point, the son wakes up and looks at Thomas Jane. And then, gratefully, the movie cuts to an outside shot of the car where you see four flashes and hear four pops from within the car. And then you just hear Thomas Jane freaking the fuck out because he is now killed his son and the three friends. And he is out of bullets, just trying to shoot himself with the gun to yep. end it. He runs out into the mist, shouts at the monsters, come get me, come get me. You see this dark shape start to come toward him through the mist, only for then the mist to clear, and it's a tank, and it's humans coming through, clearing everything out. You see army surplus vans of people in these cars driving away, including Carol from the very beginning of the film, that she managed to survive. And if Thomas Jane had hung on for another five or ten minutes, he would be safe. And he realizes not only did he kill himself, for, or not only did he kill his son for no reason, he was driving away from help the entire time. And with nothing left to do, he freaks out and screams, cut to black. Yeah, thanks, Thanks for let, making me watch this for a second time. I really needed that. <laughs> that ending. It's so brutal. And like the way they cut it and the nods and the car and all the nonverbal stuff. And the music. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's I, uh, this movie's not great, but that ending is great. Like yes. it, it, mean... it, it hits you hard the first time you see that because you don't see it coming. That's the thing. This movie's not that gory. There's and not the, that many kills. And, and then the to speed, end like that. Whew. The speed of which it happens, like Thomas Jane just makes that decision. And we're all dads. Like, I don't know if anyone could make the decision like, all right, got to do it. And just like do it. Not just sit there and be like, I'm going to wait this out until the very last second where we're all starving to death and have to do it. Like, yeah, they all just kind of do that nod thing. And he's like, I'll figure it out. And then just takes care of business to have it turn 180 degrees on him Whew. there's zero chance so with that in that. mind yeah we yeah we're gonna I, take a little bit of a break we'll be back and we'll talk about how many beers you need to enjoy this movie all right and welcome back everybody we are talking 2007's the mist uh, we've just kind of run down the plot and talked about how incredibly bleak this film is. Uh, so now we're going to give our beer review. How many beers do you need to enjoy this movie? Let's start out with The Thunderous Wizard. So 
you can get through the main portion of the movie in two beers, and then the ending happens, and you just shotgun the other four. Yep, that, that's exactly what I had. That is 100% my feeling. <laughs> I think we're done. I don't know if anyone else needs yep. to talk, because that's exactly what I was going to Sold. Say. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, two hours, you enjoy a beer, you have another one, and then that last scene, you're like, well, I need to stop feeling feelings immediately. Yeah, I spent a good bit of last night after watching this, just like, why, why did I do this to myself? Like, slowly sipping wine, like, questioning my own existence. <laughs> Listen, you don't want wine for that. You definitely want whiskey, like a cheap yeah. whiskey. Yeah, this is an old Crow movie. Um, I would say that at 126 minutes long, um, I'll give it four beers. Basically drink a beer every half an hour, you know. You'll be, you'll be doing okay. It's chug along. Yeah, you're Fair. doing fine. And the movie's not bad, but you definitely need a stiff drink after the ending because you've just stared into the abyss. <laughs> okay. Um, and it stares back. Um, so I had a really surreal experience. Uh, this movie is free streaming on IFC right now. So if you've got IFC in your service package of whatever form, you should be able to stream it for free. Between um, this and Dukes of Hazard, what is the? It's fine. Go on. I, the cross demographic there, I'm not sure. But the point being, I started watching this uh, the other night, and I fell asleep because it is a slow burn. I fell asleep, but I woke up just in time for the ending. And I was, like, kind of groggy, you know? Like, oh, hey, oh, yeah, 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 Thomas Chan. Oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Because I had seen the movie before, so I knew what was going on, but I wasn't, like, mentally prepared for it, and it just kind of caught me off guard again. And it was kind of surreal to get that weird like half seeing it for the first time again experience because I wasn't prepared for it. And again, guys, if you haven't seen this movie, it's worth it. Sit through it, get to that ending. Cause it just, wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, to me, this feels like this is Logan. It's a genre picture. I want, I watched once that I never need to watch again. Like one, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little earlier. Uh, you asked, how did you forget the ending? It's because I watched it in 2008 and haven't watched it <laughs> since. I read the book in between. I was like, oh, it's a much more acceptable ending. And then I rewatched this and was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just rewrote it in my mind so I didn't have to experience that trauma. It's just, yeah, and that was before I had kids. And now that I have kids, I'm like, eh, eh, this is even worse. This is even worse to rewatch. It's way worse. And again, you see the DNA of the Walking Dead's plot points in this as well, with all the family oh, yeah. thing and the kids and Carl and Lilith. Coral! Yeah. So, do you think this movie deserved... Well, again, I, I don't know that this movie necessarily flopped, right? Like, this made some money. But... It tripled its I budget. It should have made more money. Yes. Like, the worst thing I can say about it is it's got dodgy CGI. Yeah, That's it. I, 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 you know, I'll agree with you 110% there, Captain Cash. If this movie had competent CGI, it would have been a $100 million movie. I don't think and the no. CGI is what and, did this movie yet. I don't think it this was This is CGI. 2007, uh, so... I, 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 think, I, no. think, I think if this movie had been more of a standard horror movie in that regard, it would have garnered a bigger audience. I think that it was kind of flat in that regard. You don't, you just don't get enough people saying, "Oh, you got to see this." 
Well, you know I'm saying like if if it'd been like a creature feature that people are like, holy crap, you've got to see this the scary creature effects in this movie. It, it would have made a hundred million dollars. Hey, it made sixty, so it's not crazy to think it could have made a hundred million dollars. It made less or than Dreamcatcher, which is inexcusable. This is actually a good uh, but, movie, but, uh, but people uh, don't like <laughs> unhappy endings. Dreamcatcher is a hot science. I, I understand yeah. it's your guilty pleasure. It's not good. It's not remotely entertaining. But it's not. It's also it not scary. Re- it, well, this, I would say it's not entertaining. This I, movie I, is I, very bleak, and it's tough. It's a tough sell to get go, people to go. If you have heard the word of mouth, like, oh, that's going to mess with you, you're like, am I going to pay ten dollars to go be depressed, or am I going to go see something <laughs> a little more uplifting? Uh, okay, okay, but uh, uh, the movies that I will give you that achieve what I'm trying to get at here stuff like the Blair Witch Project stuff like Cloverfield like those movies don't end happy either but they were big hits they, they had a hook this movie has no hook well, it's got people thought the ending. Blair Witch Project was real and Cloverfield was made for peanuts and so that's was the hook. Blair Witch Project so that's I mean a, so the Blair the Blair Witch Project had the gorilla marketing hook Cloverfield had the whole you don't know what the thing is hook yeah. Those movies all had hooks. If this movie had a hook, if its visual effects were a hook, it would have snagged people even with the down note. And you know, you know what so, I think uh, it, it wasn't its hook was by this point. I think people who were even fans of Stephen King were under the impression that the majority of his movies were <laughs> going to be hot trash. We're going to go see another Dreamcatcher. Yeah. I don't want to do that. That perception has obviously changed now. But certainly there was damage done to his brand throughout the 90s yeah. and the early 2000s yeah, but this with is a... some of the garbage they were putting out, which we're yeah, going to talk about I'll... next week. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. That's a very good point, Thunderous Wizard, because Darabont is responsible for two of the biggest successful King adaptations, and they're not his horror adaptations. The Green no. Mile and Shawshank are not your standard supernatural horror king stuff. And yet those are his, like, I think those are his two biggest movies. Oh, well, no, I'm sorry. The Shawshank was a bomb. Green Mile, I think, is his biggest movie. It, it made it. Like 300 million or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it, it chapter two. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, not but, chapter two, but, chapter one. But Darabon. But that's not Darabon, is it? The, the success no. of Green Mile is clearly, in large part, due to everyone believing Shawshank Redemption was the best yeah. movie of the year it came out, and people still talk about how Forrest Gump beating it is bullshit. Now, I love Forrest Gump, yeah. but there's certainly an argument I, to be made. No, I, I think you're right too. I think it's fair to say, in like the general public, a lot of people saw a big green mile was like Shawshank too. Yeah, because it, it kind of was. Yeah, but anyway, um, it's really weird to find when you realize that Shawshank was a bomb. Another movie that uh, Dreamcatcher out earned. Weird. So I, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's a valid thing to draw there, Captain Cash. You can't bash this movie because Dreamcatcher out earned it. That's not the point. <laughs> Dreamcatcher yeah, listen, out-earned Shawshank. Dreamcatcher should have been a USA movie. Like the Tommyknockers. That's how bad Dreamcatcher was. I would rather watch the, the Shining remake with Steven Weber than ever watch Dreamcatcher again. <laughs> oh, I remember that. No. Uh, and, all right, Andy, all right, all right. Andy Dufresne crawled through a quarter mile of shit just to shoot Weasels. a gray widower in the face. Thank you. Quarter mile of shit weasels. Anyway, 
Uh, Mayor McCheese, I want to turn it over to you. I think you may have already answered this, but differences from the book is basically the end. Is there anything else you wanted to highlight or thought would be illuminating? No, there's not much. I mean, there's a little more plot play at the beginning between him and his neighbor, and there's a little more plot play when you get to the the supermarket and the characters there. But no, I mean, this is a spot on adaptation of the the book to the movie. Um, minus the end. Oh yeah. Minus the end. I yeah. Mean, so how does the so, how does the novella so, end? So in the in the book novella, it ends the same way. They're making their way to the car. Half the team dies. They get in the car. They go back. They can't get to the house. He realizes his wife is dead. He's bummed. They keep going, and they even have the same scene with the uh, gigantic monster, whatever it's called. Um, but they just keep driving and they start realizing they're going to run out of gas soon. And the, the book has an ending where um, they're trying to pick up radio stations and the sun is asleep. And um, TJ's, I can't remember his name now. David. Yeah, David. David's character is listening and he's like, the only thing I could tell my son is I, I heard the words, what I believe the words are Hartford and Hope. And that's that's how the book ends is that they're just trying to get out of it. That's kind of an open ending. There, there so. is no hope to be had in Connecticut. No. Yeah. Connecticut is for, for fucking. Uh, are you guys familiar, wait, are you guys familiar with that song? I'm not. Connecticut is. I don't know. Uh, we want to, I don't know if we want to yeah, dive no. into whatever. Yeah, is. no, listen, I, I'm going to stop and say, don't explain your joke. Connecticut's for fucking. We're moving on. All right, thank you, Mayor McCheese. Uh, with that, I want to throw it to... Uh, do you guys have a favorite monster or creature from this movie? And I know we've talked about how this isn't necessarily a creature feature, but there are a lot of creatures. So did you have one that for you stood out that you really enjoyed or that you thought was, hey, that was cool? Mayor McCheese. I, I do like the the weird giant praying mantis because you got to assume that's what got the guy with the rope tied to him because he's... Presumably, right? Tall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I'm in the Thunderous Wizards camp here where I do not like spiders. So anything with <laughs> spiders, I mean, all of the creatures are awful when you come to someone who doesn't really like big bugs. But I think the giant praying mantis that just kind of reaches down and <laughs> grabs people and that's it is probably the, the biggest fear for me. All right, TW. I didn't like the look of the spiders. I do like uh, everything else associated with them, the cocoons, the... The, the basically the eggs bursting out of the guy's face, the guy falling, just the the sunken out human stuck in the web is a pretty haunting image. Uh, I would go with oh, the, yeah. the tentacles though because any any uh, creature that tentacles from Dimension X yeah drags X, away whatever. the Shermanator, the sex educated robot sent back through time, who's such a schmuck in this movie. <laughs> I was really happy to see him die. So. I'm going with the tentacles. All right. And Chumpzilla, did you have a monster that was your monster in this? Yeah, I, I think you alluded to it earlier, Captain Cash. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just go with the giant monster lumbering along. The behemoth. As the, yeah, as the other monsters are moving around it. Um, yeah, that is pure old gods, Cthulhu, Lovecraftian madness. And again, it just it, it gives you this sense of like hopelessness, like, OK, we are way out of our element here. Like 
this is just beyond anything we could possibly comprehend. And it helps explain why they went the route they did in the end. Like, well, yep, clearly we're fucked. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. For me, it, it was the behemoths because, like, I, I like the Grey Widowers because they freak me out, too, in that scene where the guy bursts into a million spiders is fucking terrifying. But I've kind of seen that in Aliens. And, like, the scorpion flies have some of the best body horror, but they're also kind of, like, because that, that's mostly owing to the makeup, I think. It's just uh, like, one I, person. You only see him kill one person. Exactly. I think I might but, want to change my answer to Miss Carmoody and her clan. <laughs> no, you know what? Fair. That's a good answer. Uh, but my favorite mother is... disapproves. <laughs> uh, but for me, it is the behemoth, just because, as Tom said, like not only is this thing gigantic, it gives off a sense of being its own ecosystem. Like there are other smaller things flying along with it, and it really. At that point, you are in like, uh, holy shit! This, this is this is it. You're this in a different universe. End. You're in. You've fallen into another universe where you don't matter and your food. Yes, exactly. So for me, that was it for me, and it, that does lead very nicely into how this is a great movie ending. I think we all kind of agree, um, and it's and it's funny because it's not a t- twist, right? Like. At no point is this unearned. At no point is it a shocking paradigm shift, like finding out Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. This is just like, hey, it gets bleaker and bleaker and bleaker, and then, oh, my God. Yep. yep. I mean, it, it, it's a natural progression, uh, but it still sneaks up on you. Now, total spoiler alert here. Seriously, stop listening if you haven't seen this. <laughs> you get I to think this we're point. We're well shot at that point. Yeah. You get to this point in the movie and you've got a father who's basically come to the conclusion the only reasonable thing to do is to murder his son and three other innocent people uh, out of mercy. And it is completely reasonable. It's not like, no, no, stop. Like, I'll draw an example here. Like, at the end of Titanic, a lot of people are like, oh, there's plenty of room for both of them to float on the piece of debris. Wait, did, did the ship sink? (laughs) <laughs> the ship does sink. I got a funny story about that. Uh, I'll tell it later. Um, so, you know, there's no, but at this point, you don't really question Thomas Jane's motivations. It's like, oh, yeah, no. I that's... question the fuck out of those motivations. I'm picking up my son and running for the hills. Both of them, one under each arm. I'm not doing that ever in my life. Zip zero chance. Not, a, not happening. Well, I, I, I think, again, you've seen him broken by the madness of what he has seen. And he's got the other adults in there saying, like, yeah, this is just what's ended. I don't want to end up like those other people. I don't want spiders to burst out of me. I don't want to be flayed by hentai tentacle monsters. Like, just let's end as humanely as possible. And Thomas Jane makes the noble decision to be like, I will take care of you and I will fend for myself. And you understand it. I'm not saying you have to agree with it, but you understand it. And to Captain Cash's point, that's how this movie progresses. You don't realize where it's taking you until you get there. And then, holy shit, you're there. That's my thesis. And for me, it's not just that he had to kill his his son and friends 
It's that it flips it over that if you had just hung on for just a little bit longer. I take very serious umbrage with the ending because the army is using flamethrowers, which you have seen through the mist. So I mean, in rewatching yeah, it, so... there's not a great there's not a great barometer of how much time has passed between what he has done and when the army arrives, and it makes me really friggin' mad because of everything we've already mentioned. Because I'm just not doing that. It's not happening. So I'm grabbing as many flaming mops as I can, and I'm going down swinging. And if I slip in the kerosene and light myself on fire, so be it. I feel like they gave up on the fire mops way too early. <laughs> one I, one accident is not a reason to give up on fire mops entirely. It's not a big enough sample size. Driving around with fire mops in the back of a jeep. Cut out the windows. It, that's yeah. not a jeep. That is a Toyota Land Cruiser. And I oh, think that's sorry. probably the most realistic thing in this movie, that the last vehicle operating in an apocalypse is a Toyota Land Cruiser from the 80s. Those things are, in fact, indestructible. It's true. At Thunderous Wizard, I get where you're coming from with the whole, if, you know, you'd have seen the, the flames through the mist, and, and fine, but I feel like that's the same argument that Chumzilla had around, oh, well, there's room for two of them on the raft. That's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is to show that when you give up hope, you're completely lost. You have to hold on to hope that something can happen. The point of Titanic is that is Rose, is that her name? Yes. She didn't want anything to do with that poor Irish guy. She's like, fuck it, this is my chance. <laughs> First of all, Jack was American, not Irish. The thing about Titanic is that on her deathbed, she's not thinking about her family and her children. She's thinking about some fling on a boat that sunk. That's also fair. All right. Wait, she was thinking. That, she was thinking about Billy Zane. <laughs> Wait, who's not thinking about Billy Zane? I think about that's a better question. <laughs> yeah. true. Listen, we're the original Zaniacs. It's fine. But what I wanted to do here is talk about what what are your this is this is undeniably a great end of a movie. I want to hear what you think some other great movie endings are. And you, the listener, if you want to tweet at us. Instagram at us. What's a great movie ending? Let's go around the horn. Uh, we'll start with Chumzilla this time. A great movie ending, again, not necessarily has to be a twist, but just a really solid movie ending. Okay, there's three movies that come to mind for me that have endings that I really enjoy. Okay. Um, and I'll add the mist to that list. I do enjoy the ending of this movie. I think this is a, a top 10 ending of a movie like all time like this is just yeah. nuts um uh, old, uh, no country for old men i like oh, the ending of right. that movie because it's ambiguous and it's 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 just a really interesting way to end a movie um and i mentioned this on a previous pod and i'll, I'll use it again the the ending of cool hand luke which is one of my top five movies honestly um i love that movie uh, thanks to my father, he burdened me with that. But that's got a great ending. It, it, it's not ambiguous so much as it's also a depressing ending. Like it's just like, mm. oh, not that great. And, and you know, I'd have to go with uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that, there you go. That is another solid twist. It's it's a twist, and it's also like it's ambiguous and not really triumphant. But at the same time, like you wanted to know what was coming next. 
Like, and I think that's really the hallmark of that movie is like, it was such a great middle sequel, you know, it, no, it, it, that's fair. It, the, the, the good guys didn't so much lose as they just didn't win. And you're like, okay, I can't wait to see what comes next. Yeah. Fair. Mary cheese. So. We don't need three and it doesn't need to be a top three, but what, what for you is a really great movie ending? Oh, fuck you shitting all over my format. Thanks. <laughs> no, no, no. I did. Your format was fine. I mean, I'm just I'll trying do, to make it easier. I'll do I'll do one, keep it quick, and I'll um, I'll probably do one that most people know but don't agree with. Uh, I I really like the ending of Fight Club. Uh, I love the book and the movie, and I like that scene where they're both standing there watching the buildings explode, and he just says like, "You met me at a really weird time in my life." Yeah. <laughs> and the song playing over that scene is what Mary Cheese. Oh, um, where is my mind by yeah. the pixies, the pixies. And, and the bassist for the pixies is Kim deal. And she is from Huber Heights, Ohio, Wayne high school. That go. is some really specific trivia for you. Very uh, specific. Thank you very her, little. Her, 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 <laughs> her and her sisters, uh, form the band, the breeders. We, uh, yeah, we don't need any of this information. <laughs> I am Sorry. I am truly I am truly cursed with knowledge now. Thank you. And mm-hmm. Thunder's Wizard, what is your what is your great movie ending? Okay, so uh, I'll give one. I'll give a quick sh- shout out. Terminator Two has the perfect ending, and uh, it really does. Uh, that that there were there other Terminator movies. Except there were like four more so. movies. <laughs> well, that wasn't that were wasn't there? James Cameron's fault. He didn't own. The IP, so he wasn't exactly uh, gung ho about this. I mean, it is a great ending. It's a perfect ending. But one of my favorite all time movies, and spoiler alert for this movie from the 1970s, if you haven't seen it, uh, is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Jack Nicholson's R.P. McMurphy, sort of uh, encouraging a rebel spirit in his group of guys stuck in a uh, care facility. And he's such a problem that they end up lobotomizing him. And then Big Chief, uh, this guy who's very quiet, stoic throughout the entire movie, embraces this spirit of, of rebellion and escapes the asylum. It's a wonderful ending. It's a wonderful movie. There's so many great actors in it. Uh, a young Danny DeVito, a young Christopher Lloyd. Uh, of course, Big Chief is in Orca. Young Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> mm. I love that yeah, movie. And, it's a wonderful, wonderful and honestly, movie. It is, and like I think people that probably know modern Jack Nicholson don't understand how good he was in this role. Like, oh this shit! Yeah, that was his, a revelation. This is like his top five performances, probably, if not top three. Oh, it's top like, three. It's, for it's sure. up there with. That. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is a great, great performance from Nicholson. It is. Like, an he really movie. cemented himself as a yeah. Yeah, and this is, and it's a psychological movie. It's a smart movie. You know, it's not. It's not an effects thing. It's not a, a an action movie. It's. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a it's a character yeah. piece for sure. Yeah, I'm absolutely. gonna go the com- I'm gonna go the complete opposite direction of you guys, and I'm gonna say Moana. Moana <laughs> has a great ending. My daughter it, agrees. That movie is so fucking tight. It calls back to a ton of earlier gags. And has an emotional twist in the third verse, like a fucking country song. Like you see why they brought the chicken along the entire goddamn time. You get callbacks to the shark head joke, 
we get Maui's you're welcome as instead of a boast, but an actual transformation of the rock becoming the true hero. And most importantly, we get Moana's themes of being compassionate and understanding as why she's the chosen one to fix the problem and save the world. It has a great happy ending. And I plan on watching it with my kids tomorrow. So I, I missed uh, what you said. So are you going to watch House of a Thousand Corpses tomorrow? <laughs> I am still mad at you for making me watch that movie in 2004. That is that is two hours of my life I will never get back. Didn't care for that movie. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have And They Stick the Landing Trivia Challenge, where we're going to do some great movie endings. Uh, you all will be playing for a revolver but one fewer bullet than you need. Welcome back to Hobson Box Office Flop. You are here for the And They Stick the Landing trivia challenge where we are going to talk about some great movie endings rather than run through the trivia of this movie, which I think we mostly covered because a lot of it is Darabont and Stephen King and Walking Dead related. Instead... Uh, we're going to talk about the end of a great movie. I will give you the broad description of the end of the movie. You name the movie. I'm not going to be doing multiple choice unless you feel like it's completely necessary. Once again, tonight you will be playing for a revolver, but with one fewer shot than you need. Everybody ready? What's our what's our chiming? Yeah, chiming it's some sort of be, mist. Can it be? No, can it be, be? Took John Lee. They, they took John Lee. Yes, they, they took, took John, John Lee. Or there's there's something in the mist. <laughs> no, I, I would prefer they took John Lee. I really love that guy. I would uh, I would I will accept, die along that guy's side any day of the week. I will uh, accept either there's something in the mist or they took John Lee, but my strong preference is for they took John Lee. All right, they took John Lee. There you go. So number one, depending on how you interpret this ending, it can leave your head spinning. The, a man is reunited with his family, but in the final shot, we are giving a hint that perhaps it was all... They the took John Lee. They took John Lee! Oh, I'm going to give that to the Thunderous Wizard. Inception. Inception it is. That is one to the Thunderous Wizard. Oh, I was going to go with Blow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from a certain point of view, number two. Maybe not the original example of he loves her enough to let her go, but definitely the trope codifier. Still ends on a beautiful friendship after they round up the usual suspects, though. They took John Lee. Over to the Thunderous Wizard yet again. Ta Casablanca? It is Casablanca. I was going to go with seven. I mean, it's kind What's of in the box? What's Which in the ends box? like every movie should, with Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. <laughs> What's in the box? Oh, that, that's harsh to Pepper Potts. I'm going to cut Paltrow, though. It's probably not great. That's all right. Anyway, uh, number on. three. The end of this movie, which we did for the pod, is also ambiguous. But rather than a man being reunited with his young ones, it's two men. They took John Lee. The end of the film. All right, go ahead. The thing. It is absolutely the thing. Wow, Thunderous Wizard uh, took this in a runaway. I don't uh, know what's going on. There's an off. Yeah. I mean, the rest of it was. I'm also uh, very confused. Yes, the rest of it was that they're prepared to kill one another, but not before they share a drink. Uh, that was the thing. Uh, you, if either Chumpzilla or Mayor McCheese 
gets the next three, there will be a tie, and I'll have to figure something out. But if not, here we go. It's, doubt, it's doubtful. <laughs> Number four. In another modern horror classic, the heroes are able to defeat the group that has been trying to kill them for the last two hours, but in doing so, they doom the world. They took John Lee. I will give it to Mary McCheese. Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods it is. All oh, right, yeah. Mary McCheese on the way. I'm, yeah. I'm getting a theme that these are all... Um, these are all Captain Cash movies. <laughs> I, of course they are. They're, they're, I wrote the quiz. I want them to be things I like. They took John Lee, uh, Moana. <laughs> <laughs> no, too late. Too, too late. Uh, they took John five. Lee cosplay. They took John Lee hentai. Number five. Oh, my God. I was wrong. It was Earth all along. I guess you they finally <laughs> given it to Trumpzilla. What is Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes. Yes, you finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. The musical, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. I oh. hate every ape I see. From chimpan A to chimpanzee. Yes, oh, exactly. Simpsons. So last one. Thunderous Wizard has already won. But... We'll do just one more to kind of close it out. In the original zombie movie, not only does the black guy die last, it's the cops that kill him. That took John sure. Lee. Yep. Thunder Swift. Is... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chumzella. Chumzella. Thank you, sir. What is the Night of the Living Dead? That is the Night of the Living that Dead. Well done. God, yeah. And I, I tell you what, that, that movie also ends like on a super downer. You're right. Oof. For sure. And that movie is culturally significant. Like that's not just oh, a yeah. zombie movie. Like that movie has got some societal stuff behind it as well. That's he that's a, here that's, in sunny Pittsburgh. Yep, George A. Romano. That's what Romero does. Romero, Dawn of Romero. the Dead, yeah. Land of the Dead. He always has something to say. Not not super late in his yeah. career, but particularly early in his career. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. For sure. All right, so the winner of the Stick to Landing Trivia Challenge goes to the Thunderous Wizard. Uh, expect that revolver with one fewer shot that you need uh, sometime in the next six to eight weeks, depending on whether I do any of that. I would not I would not mail that. Yeah, so wait, and technically, if he gets the revolver with one shot too few, that's actually more of a problem for him than it is for us because we're, 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 we're good. He'll take care of us, and he's on his own. Oh, yeah. Does he have to use a revolver against us or his family? Because both of those seem like terrible scenarios. Oh. I feel like against us is the idea. Yeah. You're the yeah, one that's You're the... the one setting the revolver, Captain Cash, so now you have to make the rules of who he slaughters. I think it's a I... really terrible gift. Could you give me the uh, ass end of the biker that gets eaten by the lobstrosity <laughs> in the parking lot? No, 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 wait, that, no, that no, got no, no, eaten by something else later. I can't can Thunderous that. Wizards get the I, leg down? Yeah. The legs down no, with not, the rope on I, it? I've got, like, more questions now. What are you going to do with that? I don't know. I Put mean, it out in my yard for Halloween. I have no decorations. Listen, I've seen enough It's scary. I know where this is going. It's a locally sourced skeleton that yeah. That's, that's free range ass meat. All right, go nuts. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so that is it for this pod. We're going to do recommendations. We'll be back next week. Uh, let's start with the Stephen King expert, Mary McCheese. What is your recommendation this week? Uh, I am currently watching. I haven't finished it because I have kids, but I am currently watching the movie Creep, 
and uh, halfway in, I would recommend it so far. It is creepy. Wait, is that it the is... Uh, TLC documentary? Creep, yeah. That's yeah. That's <laughs> why so, that, that is now. that is that is why it's so creepy. Um, no, it's by the Duplass brothers. The guy from. Oh, um, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I know what you're yeah, talking about. I, he's yeah. Um, he is the dude from the fantasy football TV from show. From the league. It's, it's escaping me. Yeah, he's from the league. Him and his brother wrote it. And while I'm not a huge fan that it's a found footage movie, it is actually super disturbing because essentially he invites a guy to come film him at his house in what is presumably Sacramento, California. And he is doing it under the guise of, oh, I have terminal cancer. I want to leave a um, uh, a journal for my kid. But it's, yeah, a living it's diary. It gets creepier and creepier and creepier, and I haven't finished the movie, but I'm halfway through, and I would already recommend it. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Thunder Wizard, what's your recommendation this week? Wait, uh, hold on. Also, a very, very good Radiohead song, Creep. How's it there? Well, if it's so fucking good, sing it, wimp. I sing this, TLC. No, no. We're, we are not I'm doing, a no. creep. No, this isn't karaoke, pop. I'm a loser. Sorry, sorry. Off. Uh, listeners, at Hops and Flops, which one of us has a better singing voice? I'm confident it's me, and that's not saying a whole lot. Uh, here's my recommendation. It really isn't. <laughs> my, my I, I, rec- I'll concede that right now. I cannot compare my vocals to the silky smoothness yeah. of the Thunderous Wizard. It's the His golden buttery. throat. It's the His, golden-throated thunder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, golden-throated, buttery, voice. buttery vocals, that smooth esophagus. I've seen enough hentai. You know where this is going. Like uh, <laughs> like Mel Torme, my high school class, called me the Velvet Fog. That's a fact. Uh, <laughs> my recommendation for the week is, uh, and I said I'd recommend horror movies I'd never recommended or hadn't seen until recently. So I'm going to do The Girl on the Third Floor. Which is starring WWE wrestler CM Punk. He's actually really good in it. It's on it's on Netflix now. I think you'll enjoy it. It is a little bit supernatural. The house is not your friend. Uh, watch it. It was good. It was good. A low budget horror movie. I really liked it. Okay, nice. And Thunders. I'm sorry. And Chumzilla. Well, since we've done so many King adaptations as of late, it seems to be a theme, and I'm a sucker for bad movies. So I would advise anyone that hasn't seen Maximum Overdrive to search it out. We're talking about it next week. We will be. (laughs) And to prep yourself for that, go watch that movie. It might be one of the campiest, ridiculous, just goofy ass, the most goofy ass Stephen King adaptation. And fun fact, folks, it's the only one of his movies that he actually directed. That fucking movie rules. You take it all back. <laughs> I love it. No, I love that movie. I used to watch it on TV. It used to air on TV in the early 90s, like on Saturday afternoons. Because it's not gory or anything. It's just... <laughs> because back in the 90s, they didn't give a shit. And they really <laughs> the 90s were a lawless ass time. They did not give a shit. There we are. That movie I'll, I'll, was always on. It was always on, and this. Uh, here's what you need to know about this movie. It stars Emilio Estevez. Emilio! Emilio! Um, 
it's got a soundtrack that's nothing but ACDC. In fact, I think like there's some weird thing. I think their whole album, Who Made Who, is actually just the soundtrack to Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. Yeah, it's like they're kind of the same thing. It's weird. Uh, I think like they eventually like kind of like, like shunned the movie and just pushed the album. Uh, somebody else can Google that. But also, Marla Maples, Donald Trump's second wife, has a cameo in the movie, and they make a joke about her having a massive engagement ring. Uh, and, I, and I've never forgotten that part of the movie. So It's pretty funny. So, so essentially, you, we've already gone through everything we were going to talk about next week, so you got to find a whole other set of facts yeah. for Maximum Overdrive. Oh, there's more. <laughs> I'm, I am deeply concerned. All right, so my recommendation this week is going to be uh, a lighthearted comedy after the depressing-ass movie you theoretically just watched to enjoy this pod, uh, which is Netflix's Adam Sandler's Hubie Halloween. It is a dumb, dumb movie, very much in the vein of every Adam Sandler movie out of the 90s. He affects a silly voice. He does a lot of physical comedy. It's stupid, but it's fun, and it's Halloween, and it's effective brain bleach for the mist. So... You want to like, sort of enjoy yourself for 80 or 90 to 100 minutes. Do this. There's some fun cameos. There's a couple good chuckles. So that's a hard two thumbs to recommend? Uh, that feels a little aggressive. Uh, one and a half. One and a half. Thumb and a half. Thumb and a half. Okay, half, we'll take it. We'll take it. All right. Uh, so that's it for Hobson Box Office Slops this week. Uh, thanks to Rusty Rail for making a delicious a delicious thematically appropriate beer to enjoy with this movie. Thank you again to Mary McCheese for helping us with our King lore and, and being awake for the third pod in a row. Applause. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like I've set my seat. I'm going to be here for the rest of these pods for the rest of forever. I there kinda, we go. I kind of feel like McCheese is the Tanya Harding of the pod. Like, Every now and then he's going to hit the triple axle, but in between he's just going to fucking wipe out and say his skates aren't working correctly. And, oh, yeah. There's, there's a, a solid... I mean, tonight was dodgy because of my hours leading up to this, and I made it through the whole thing. I don't know if I'm a great contributor, but I'm here. I, I, I feel like much. my quibble here is less with Mayor McCheese's content he's adding to the pod and more with the, the analogy of Tanya Harding being sort of a spotty performer. Sometimes she's yeah. on. Sometimes she's not. Wizard has a weird Tanya Harding fetish that I've never told anyone about since I've known it since fifth grade. So true. now's the time to bring that out of the grade. That makes so sense. Wait, wait a not, minute. If he's not true. If McCheese is uh, Tanya Harding, does that mean. I know. Me... I'm Nancy Kerrigan. Tom, oh, no. No, no. Uh, I'm Nancy Kerrigan. The Thunderous Wizard is Tanya Harding. For the record, <laughs> so I was a Christy Yamaguchi guy. Forever and always. Okay. <laughs> so th- that clearly makes uh, Captain Cash the the Weir guy, Johnny Weir, and I'm Oksana Bayul. Listen, I don't know Yay! anything. About, I, all I know is I want to be the uh, the Russian coach for the women's gymnastics team. You can do it. You can do it. You know they're all kids, Scottish, right? I don't know if you want to be that guy. They, Maybe I don't want to be that guy. Fun fact, uh, three quarters of the podcast has played rugby with the the Russian guys from the cutting edge. That's true. That's just science. All right. And he's actually Canadian, but whatever. In any case, 
what did you think of the pod? Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know what you'd like to hear us do next. We're constantly trying to come up with themed months, but if there's a movie, a flop that you really love that you want to hear us chat about, send it to us. We'll definitely do it. We'll give you a shout-out on the pod as well. Uh, Thunderous Wizard, if they wanted to find you on the internet, where can they find you? At WriterTLK on Twitter and uh, preview next week, a Stephen King roundtable. Some of the real, real bad Stephen King movies. <laughs> We're going to do a roundtable. Not a full discussion, just a roundtable. Each of us have chosen a movie. Obviously, you know one, which is Maximum Overdrive. Watch it. I would, I'm going to have to spend so many hours next week just watching these shitty Stephen King movies. I will say that you, I mean, if you're going to pick one of the four, well, should we tell the four now? Or... Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That way people if, can if prepare. We're gonna do, if we're going to do one of the four, definitely watch Max Mo Overdrive because that's my favorite. But I am doing Secret Window. You stole my story. Oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm doing, mm-hmm. it, oh, gee, I'm trying to, it's Sleepwalkers, right? Sleepwalkers. The, the Cats yeah. movie. Uh-huh. It's like Cats. Yeah. Nineteen ninety four. Jellicle to do and I am doing thinner. 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 All <laughs> right. Chumpzilla, if anybody wanted to find you on the internet, where can you be found? Oh, they can find me at uh Chumpzilla eight on Twitter, yeah, maximum overdrive yeah. <clears throat> maximum overdrive single dot com. Yeah, Mer- uh, Mer- cheese officially yeah, on Twitter. What? Yeah. Mayor McCheese officially on Twitter once again at HBOF McCheese. That's definitely not confusing at all. No, not at all. That's so weird, but it's cool. We'll figure it out. All right. And as always, you can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. Stay safe out there, everyone. And remember, never lose hope. It took John Lee.